Pinna. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hi, I'm Ishan, Kid Reporter, and this is Time for Kids Explains for the week of August 31st, 2020. In this episode, we've got a quiz for animal lovers, a story about a kid who's changing the world. And we're going to talk about education, which is something we're all thinking about now that school has started up. But first, let's get started with this week's news. The news. Here's kid reporter Lexi joining us from Zoom. And here's our top story for this week. The Democratic and Republican parties have officially named their candidates for president and vice president of the United States. The announcements were made at political conventions in late August. Joe Biden is the Democratic Party's nominee for president. California Senator Kamala Harris is the party's vice presidential nominee. President Donald Trump is the Republican Party's presidential nominee. He is running for re-election. Mike Pence is his vice presidential running mate. While Lexi's with us, let's do our weekly fact or fishy. Fact or fishy. I'm going to give Lexi a news headline, and she'll decide if it's fact, because it was reported well, or if she thinks it's fishy, meaning that it doesn't feel like a legit story with well-checked information. All right, Lexi, you ready? Yeah. Here is your headline. Death Valley soars to 130 degrees, potentially Earth's highest temperature since at least 1931. What's your guess? Oh my, 130 is a very, very high temperature. Um, can I have more information about the article? Sure, so this article discusses a heat wave that was happening in Death Valley, California. And just a bit of background about Death Valley, it's the lowest, hottest, and the driest location in the US. There have been increased heat waves there due to global warming. And according to the National Weather Service, they reported a temperature of 130 degrees, which could be a record high. This fact does need to be further confirmed, though, and checked with the Meteorological Society to make sure it's accurate. But experts think it's likely to be true. So who published this article? 
This article was published by the Washington Post, which is a very credible news source based out of DC. And when was this article published? This article was published on August 16th, 2020. Oh, so recent. Yeah. Do we have any direct quotes from experts? There are quotes from an expert supporting the claim, and the quote is, Everything I've seen so far indicates that this is a legitimate observation. And it was said by Randy Cervini, who leads the World Meteorological Organization's Weather and Climate Extremes team. Alright, so tell me, Lexi, is this fact or fishy? Hmm, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with fact. Because the Washington Post is a very reliable source, and Randy seems like a very informative person who knows what he's talking about. The answer is fact. Good job. Awesome. Yay. Yeah, this article is reported by multiple credible sources with quotes from experts and a call for further verification. That's why we're taking this article to be a fact. Context. I am super excited to talk with TFK journalist Rebecca Katzman about her Time for Kids cover story, School Interrupted, to get context around what's happening with education during the COVID-19 pandemic. So tell me a bit more about what you learned in the process of writing this article. The coronavirus pandemic has just upended all of society. It's changed so much about our daily lives, and the way that kids are learning right now is really no exception. School today for kids looks very, very, very different than it ever has in the past. Kids and teachers and families, everyone's having to find ways to ways to learn and ways to um, adapt to all of all of the changes happening in schools. So in your article, you mentioned that the CDC is giving the same safety guidelines for all schools. So why do different schools have different plans, if that is the case? And sometimes the plans are different within the same city. What I've learned in my research is that there's really no one-size-fits-all solution to the best way for kids and families to be learning right now during the pandemic. So the CDC has given guidelines that schools, um, teachers, administrators, students can follow, but like different people are interpreting the guidelines in different ways, and the virus is more under control in some parts of the country than in others. So there's really no one-size-fits-all solution to how kids are learning right now during the pandemic. And also, the CDC is changing their guidelines and coming up with new recommendations and stuff as schools are trying to follow them. So speaking of no easy solutions, you evaluated all of the options for going back to school in your article. What do you think is the most viable option for opening schools in terms of long-term safety? Is it in-person, is it hybrid, or is it virtual? I think the most important thing right now is that decisions about when and how to reopen schools are made on a case-by-case basis. Because every school, every community, every family, everyone has their, there's just, there are different needs and different scenarios happening all around the country and all around the world. As long as decisions are being made on a case-by-case basis with the best interest of the students and the community in mind, that's the best way to do it. So do you think there will be a big learning gap between online and in-person education, and how will that impact kids? So one of the big challenges of the pandemic and the way that kids are learning today is that not all kids have the same type of access to the resources and tools that they need to learn. So there are a lot of places where kids don't have access to Wi-Fi or reliable internet, and 
in a lot of instances, kids don't have like the tablets or smartphones or computers that they need to to log in and and see their teacher. And so I think I, I think about it less about like online versus in person and more about like the access to resources that kids have. Got it. Okay, that's another interesting perspective. So you mentioned the effect that learning away from teachers and classmates has in your article. Could you explain a bit more about that? From my reporting, I've, I've talked to a lot of kids about what this experience has been like for them. Uh, I've talked to kids in Italy, Hong Kong, West Virginia, Arizona. And what I keep hearing from kids who I speak with is just like how lonely and isolating uh, this period of time can be. I think kids just really are missing their their friends and their their classmates, their teachers. Right. Social interaction, I think, is what we're really missing. Yeah. So at the end of your article, you say that we as kids are part of a resilient generation. So what does that mean? What is resilience? To be resilient is to be able to bounce back after something bad happens. And I think after living through this pandemic, the resilience of kids right today will be just like through the roof. Yeah, I definitely think this pandemic has taught humanity and I think taught kids that we really can conquer anything. Yeah, I think like another important takeaway and like thing I wanted to convey to kids as well is just like that kids right now, just by living, just by going to school, kids are making history. Definitely. Thank you so much, Ms. Katzman, for speaking with me today. I really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks for having me, Ishan. I enjoyed speaking with you. Change the world. Hey there, Lexi again, with a story about someone who's changing our world for the better. I want to tell you about a kid I interviewed named Chelsea Fair. Chelsea is only 11 years old, but she's trying to cheer up the world one art kit at a time. She is the founder of Chelsea's Charity in Danbury, Connecticut. Her mission is to deliver art supplies to kids who need them. Here's Chelsea about why she started her charity. Everyone deserves access to art, and I have so much to give, and I just want to do everything in my power to make the world a better place. For Chelsea's 10th birthday, she asked her friends to donate art supplies instead of giving her presents. Since then, Chelsea has saved money to buy more art supplies to make more kits. She saved money from gifts and from helping out at her dad's barber shop. Thanks, Chelsea, for all that you're doing to change the world. Hot Seat Quiz. Okay, Sean, I'm putting you on the hot seat to answer some questions about a new Time for Kids article exploring how some animals make group decisions. Even though animals don't communicate the exact same way we do, sometimes groups of animals need to make decisions together. So bring on the animals. Question number one. Ishan, what animal makes a noise scientists call a move call when they want to speed up the group's search for food? A, whales. B, meerkats. C, parrots, or D, wild horses? Ooh, this is an interesting question. I am right now vacillating between, this is really odd, between whales and meerkats. (laughs) I'm gonna go with meerkats. That is correct. Congratulations. Wow. Animal behavior scientists observed that meerkats make a special call when they want their group to speed their hunt for food. And we got the actual meerkat call from the University of Zurich. 
Here's what the meerkat move call sounds like. So, on to question two. What animal decides to go on a hunt by voting with a sneeze? A, panthers. B, seals. C, African wild dogs. Or D, hawks. Huh. You know, I'm gonna take a wild guess. Let's go with African wild dogs. Congratulations, that's two for two. So African wild dogs decide whether or not to go on a hunt by sneezing. The more a group of dogs sneeze, the more likely it is that the pack will go out and hunt for its next meal. And here's what a wild dog sounds like. I thought it'd be like a bark, but this is a super weird sound. Listen. Last question. Why do animals make group decisions? A, to decide when to hunt. B, to decide where to live. C, to remain in a group together. Or D, all of the above. We've seen examples of, I know, A and B. So I'm gonna go with D because that's the only choice that has both of those answers grouped together. Three for three, you got all of them right. Woohoo! Nice. So the answer was all of the above. Like humans, animals don't always agree with one another, but participating in group decisions helps ensure their survival. There really is safety in numbers for most animals. Yeah, you know what I find super interesting? Is that even animals have a sort of democracy among them. I know, right? Right. That's all for this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of Time for Kids Explains. This has been a Pinna original production in partnership with Time for Kids. Special thanks to Becca Katzman and kid reporter Lexi. Oh, and special thanks to the Department of Evolutionary Biology and Environmental Studies at the University of Zurich in Switzerland. Thanks for those meerkat calls. This is Ishan, Kid Reporter, signing off. Want to hear more? Subscribe to Pinna to listen to all the episodes, plus a ton of other awesome podcasts, audiobooks, and more. With content added daily, there is always something new to discover. Go to Pinna.fm. That's P-I-N-N-A dot F-M to start a free trial today.